Hello, welcome to episode three of Being Witchy. My name is Michelle Lorraine and I'm your host and witch for this podcast. I am happy that you're here and listening. Thank you again for joining me. I want to talk about the starting of spell work. In episode one, I talked about the actual reasons why people get into witchcraft, what it's generally about. And in episode two, I had a little bit of a longer podcast for you that goes into how to get started. What are some important things to know to decide upon for yourself? And then some of the things and tools that you can use to get started right away. With that said, as you get ready to start your first spell or meditation, you've gathered all the necessary tools that you want to use. Now there's something that is called a protection circle that you want to start with. This is something that witches believe helps protect them from harmful intended spirits or ghosts or energy or anything on a spiritual plane that might try to uh, add some damage to the whole process. So the idea and the belief is that before a witch does their work, and by the way, it can a witch can be male or female, and you can call yourself a warlock if you want to, but um, you know, a witch is fine either way. You can be a male or female, trans, by by um, anything witch. So just so you know, this is not a female specific religion, although females tend to uh, be the majority. However, males are perfectly welcome and, and we love to have you in our group. So once you get started, you want to cast a protection circle. The protection circle can be made of something like a salt that if you've chosen to use that identifies you, your intention, your goals, and how you're going to be meditating. Simply selecting an object that you want to use for protection makes it protective. Again, as we talked about before, the power of witchcraft comes from you. You, a lot of the choice that's made on protection items. I'll just go through a couple of things here. So salt is a very common. Some use prefer to use sea salt because it's a little bit more pure form, but any salt will do. There's also something called black salt. Black salt is sometimes considered even more protective because it's a mixture of salt and ash. And you can take ash that you've used for um, previously burnt incense or wood ash from your fires outside, mix that with the salt. Ash is considered to be something of a warding, warding away kind of thing. So um, anything that's a spirit that you need to banish away or ward off, that's considered the function and purpose of ash. So with the combine that with the protection of salt, you mix that ash and salt up and that can be your protection powder, if you will, you can keep it in a jar or container. And then you would use that every time you start a spell and just cast that circle around you, 
say some words that are meaningful to you saying that I am protected. Um, no harmful energy is invited within the circle. You are not invited or something along those lines that makes sense to you. Another couple of things that you can use are some herbs from your cabinet. There are a few that have common relationship attributes that are commonly referenced in many, many publications. So I'll go through a list of them. Uh, Rosemary is considered cleansing. Um, Basil. Basil is another one. It's considered a spiritual, emotional, and physical support protective herb. You can also use eggshells. Eggshell powder is very, very popular with protection items and protection work. And you'll see it sometimes called cascarilla powder, which is interesting. I didn't know that there was another name for eggshell powder until recently, or sometimes called peace powder. But it, you can actually boil some eggs, remove the shells, or even just make scrambled eggs, keep the shells, rinse them, take out the membrane. And some people just go straight into putting them into a coffee bean grinder or food processor or the old fashioned mortar and pestle and grind them into a powder. Some people like to bake them for 350 degrees for maybe like 10 to 15 minutes. And that makes eggshells a little bit more brittle and easier to ground up into a finer powder. So you could do that as well. Ginger is considered another protection type of spice. Garlic skin, I'm sure you guys remember that from vampire movies, but there is an attributed property with that. Garlic skin is considered to be repelling of negative energies. Um, I, sh I like to say harmful instead of negative because negative just means the other side of something. And negative can actually be a good thing sometimes. So if we want to have a negative um, outcome, we, you know, we don't want to have something, then sometimes the negative can be good. So if you associate negative with bad, sure, but try to be specific in your work. A lot of things that I'm hearing is that the more vague you are, the more you're going to get some outcomes that you weren't expecting. So be specific and say you are harm, you are repelling harm. You are banishing harm. Um, onion skin is another one that's con considered to be sort of an exorcism of bad spirits. And then cloves can drive away, ho drive away hostile energy. Um, white rice can be used for grounding and protection. You can put all of these things in a jar and say an incantation, and this would be something called a spell jar. And very common old tradition is to take the spell jar, put all these things in it, do your work, you know, light a candle, say something, say your protection prayer, and then bury it in your yard. That's something that uh, some witches do. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can actually just cast a invisible circle around your 
around your work where you're going to be doing your spell work. Well, that is just simply waving your arm around and saying some things. You can use a tool. This is where people use a knife or a wand or uh, simply using a, a animated motion with your hands. This can be considered a protection circle. So for people who don't really want to use, you know, sprinkle, if your altar is in your one of your rooms in your house, and you don't want salt all over the floor or eggshells all over the floor, that's one way that you could do it. So another one is you can cast a whole circle around your space outside. If you have a home with four corners, you can provide, you know, sprinkle protection salt around your home. You can sprinkle basil around your home if you don't want to add salt to the grass. You can even do things like spraying a mist. That's something else that we hadn't talked about yet. Florida water, something that you may never have heard of, but it's a perfume of sorts from developed in the 1800s was then considered to be a way to ward off spirit. It smells really good. I picked up a bottle in a metaphysical shop when I was just getting started into this and it was recommended by someone in the shop saying, oh, I love the smell. It makes me feel so connected and loved and it makes the process so enjoyable. And I love to just spray it around me as my protection circle. And I thought, oh, that sounds really handy and convenient. Makes the room smell good. You have your protection circle and you're good to go. So those are some different ways that you can start with your protection circle. That and something called grounding. Grounding, I had not heard of it until I did a little bit of a Google search as why do I feel drained, even nauseated, headachy after doing some really heavy spell work. And a lot of the information I was finding is that there's something called grounding where you take your body, your physical energy, you reconnect it with a, an element, specifically the earth, some, you know, part of the earth, trees, stone, and some people, after they do spell work, they go outside barefoot stand in the grass that can be considered grounding that's connecting your energy back with the earth and the physical plane and you can also hold on to a crystal or put a crystal on you um, in your pocket or somewhere on your body as a necklace even that can be considered a grounding tool the grounding tool is meant to balance you out and whether you believe there's something to it or not. Some of those who are secular listening to this going, Hey, Michelle, that sounds crazy. You know, you're doing spell work for placebo effect. How are you feeling like you actually did something spiritual and are feeling weird? And Hey, this is just something that can happen. You put your energy into something, maybe you're not getting enough sleep, maybe you've drained yourself of nutrition and water. And that's kind of the science based part of it when 
you're very intensely focused on something and you're working very, you know, in a very focused fashion with using materials, you're thinking about it, you're gathering things, just like being at work. When you're working all day long, you can, maybe you get to a point in the afternoon where you're drained and you're tired and you have a headache and maybe you're blood sugar is low and you need something to eat. It's the same thing. You're doing some work. So the grounding is the replenishing of your physical body. And because of the spiritual aspect of this, the grounding goes a step further than just taking a lunch break. It's reconnecting with the elements of the earth, the fresh air, some water, drinking some water, having something to eat, standing on the bare ground, holding onto sticks and uh, quartz and elements that give you back some energy. So a protection circle and then grounding either during or right after your work is considered something that will help you be able to do this in a safe spiritual way, in a physically safe way. And with that, you will also see a lot of times symbols with witchcraft. There's a pentacle and a pentagram. That is the star shape that you'll see on a lot of things associated with witchcraft. That star, the pentacle, is each point representing an element. The elements of the earth are considered core to doing um, spell work and practitioner within witchcraft. You can consider one point an element of fire, another point an element of water, another point an element of earth, another one an element of air, and then the final point an element of spirit. The pentacle is that star, the pentagram is the star within the circle, and that's that protection circle that we just talked about. A lot of witches like to gather, you have that as a symbol or sigil that they like to put on their altar. Do you have to have one? No, you're going to have it on your materials as you accumulate them throughout your practice. If you want it, if it means something to you, if it is a way to help you do your work, then sure, have one. But it's not a requirement. But now you know what it means. Now you know why that symbol is uh, prolific throughout shops and books and websites and anything pertaining to witchcraft. It's a symbol also that's used a lot in movies to portray something really evil happening. And sadly, that's not a association that we want to have with that symbol. That symbol to us is like the cross symbol to Christians. It's something that means something good. It's our elements. It's our spirit. It's a protection circle. Okay. Now you know the pentacle pentagram symbol. Now you know about the protection circle. Now you know about this thing called grounding. You are ready to get into some spell work. Now this is the point that you will use 
any materials that you deem necessary for whatever you're trying to accomplish. This could be burning of candles, burning of incense, burning herbs and resins that have special meaning to you that you've looked up and you've found, okay, rosemary and basil and cinnamon for wealth and abundance are going to be part of this particular spell for me. I am going to burn a white candle and a purple candle for divination. I'm going to burn a pink candle for friendship. However you want to do your spell, you this is where it really comes down to personal choice and decision. Something that is coming up soon that you may want to consider your first spell or your first ritual is the holiday of Samhain. Samhain is that word that you see associated with Halloween. It looks like it says Samhain. It's S-A-M-H-A-I-N as Nancy, but it's pronounced Samhain because it's an old Gaelic word. This is from the Celtic, Druid, Gaelic time of uh, New Year, time of the New Year. This is what's called the Witch's New Year. Samhain is typically started around October 30th and goes through to November 1st. Some religious beliefs go a little further into the November 5th and 6th time frame, but this is where those who practice Samhain pull in the fall items that we typically decorate with now. Cinnamon sticks, cloves, anise seeds, allspice, oranges, apples, not oranges, um, sorry, oranges, squash, gourds, pumpkins, apples are very, very big at this point in time because of the late harvest and mulled cider spiced wines are also used as part of Samhain celebrations and rituals. Samhain was actually evolved a little bit as the time went on and the Christian church adopted parts of it and called it All Hallows Eve which is the day before what they call All Saints Day. Now, Samhain is not October 31st. Samhain is actually November 1st or typically November 1st. This means it is the summer's end. It is the thinning of the veil. What is the thinning of the veil? It is believed that as the first frost comes in, first frosts, say that 15 times, as they come in and start to bring a life's end to your garden, the harvest start to go away, the plants start dying off, the trees start casting and shedding their leaves. It was believed that this is means there's a thinning of the veil between the living world and the spirit dead world and this time of darkness the darkest point of the year is considered to be where the veil is the thinnest and therefore communication 
with the dead and spirit is its most capable. Therefore, this is now associated as a time with communication with the dead and Samhain on November 1st is typically a feast with honoring ancestors and loved ones who have passed on, particularly those blood ancestors or bloodline ancestors. And for those who are adopted, they get to choose who their ancestors are. With the celebration of Samhain, their celebrations start before it, just like with Yule and Christmas and winter celebrations, there's the actual day and then there's the eve where some celebrations start a little earlier or maybe some dinners start or some uh, reverences start. Same with Samhain or Halloween. Halloween is uh, October 31st, which the Christian church called All Hallows Eve. And it's the day before that ancestral reverence dinner honoring the people who have passed on. So the people who have passed on dinner honor celebrations happen on or around November 1st. And then the Eve has the more lighthearted celebrations to get everything started, kind of kicking off the party. That's why October 31st is a little bit more fun, has a lot of joyful celebrations around it. Now, trick-or-treating actually started in America in mid-century. And I learned this actually by watching Drunk History. If you've never watched that show, I highly recommend it. It is so fun. The host gets someone, a celebrity of some sort, to get imbibed very well. And they have researched some aspect of history. And there was one on Halloween. I, it was actually not only entertaining, but I learned a lot. With that Halloween, highly recommend you watch that episode. There was a woman in Kansas who was getting really tired of mischief night. Kids were considering October 31st as a time to go out and just do some damage. Just crap on property, break it up, tear up gardens, and just damage things. And although it was fun for them, it wasn't fun for the adults that had to do the cleanup after. And she was just getting really sick and tired of it. So she decided to distract the kids and teenagers from mischief night by creating a celebration, a carnival, a main street type of carnival with all the bobbing of the apples and the caramel apples, which of course are a part of the Samhain tradition. And costuming and going door to door to get candy. She figured if they go door to door to get candy, they're not going to be as inspired just to go to people's houses, especially after they've met them in person and destroy their property. So she implemented this one year and the publications all ran the story that she did this, how it distracted the kids from doing damage during mischief night and it took off. And they, all across the United States, cities began adopting the trick-or-treating practice and the celebrations and the costuming and the parties. And that's where we now get the celebrations of Halloween. But because it is associated with ancient traditions, such as witchcraft and 
communicating with the dead. This is where you see spooky things come in, such as witches and skulls and crows and things related to the elements of the ending of the season, the thinning of the veil to communicate with the dead and all of that. So Halloween has become a fun incorporation of all of it. And witches love Halloween. They see it as their time of year. They're totally into the celebration of it. And they not only do they have their more serious practice of Samhain on the following day, it is considered a sacred, fun time of the year, just as much as others may consider Christmas or Easter or other holidays just as important, celebratory, and serious at the same time. Now, if you do want to do a Samhain ancestral dinner, I'm actually thinking of starting doing that this year because I really like the idea of remembering the people that we love who have passed on. And I don't know why this fell out of tradition because it's a really wonderful thing to do. As you know, the process of grieving is a difficult one. Those of us who have lost loved ones will always miss them. We will always want them to be a part of our lives. And it's not always easy to bring them up and talk about them. You're not standing around in conversation talking about things going on in town or connecting with your friends on various things. And it's like, Hey, I would like to talk about this dead person. So sometimes that makes missing them a little bit harder. Sometimes it makes grieving them a little harder because we never, ever forget those people. What's really cool about an ancestral dinner is that you can do something called an ancestor altar. So to do the dinner, as I was reading, You can set up an ancestor altar where you put up photos of people and you're basically inviting their spirit to dinner as if they are there. How cool is that? That's a way to still make them a part of your life. And you set up the altar table. You can put up things on the table, like things that they gave you, things that were passed down to you that were theirs, maybe some of their favorite things or symbols, maybe like red glass. My aunt loved red glass. So maybe a red glass dish for my aunt or uh, lighters that belonged to my grandma, grandfather, I would put on my ancestor table or tobacco pipe uh, for my other grandfather, I would put on the table. And you can set out candles, you can set out offering plates. Well, the idea is to definitely do an offering plate. And then with this ancestral dinner, it can be a potluck if you have family members that you want to invite to this, or maybe it's something that you keep private just in your own home, especially since most people don't do this. Maybe it's a little weird at first. Again, I think it would be great to do this. Then you make foods that are their favorite. What are some things that you know that they enjoyed eating? I know that I have one someone very close to me was a vegan and he loved cupcakes. So I would probably put a vegan cupcake next to his picture at the dinner and then enjoy that myself just to remember him. And I suppose it can be friends. Why not? 
it's supposed to be your blood ancestors, but honestly, again, it is what you make it. And I think it could be passed on friends as well. Then you sit down at dinner, maybe the altar shelf or table is at the head of the table, maybe in a tea format. And you can decorate with pumpkins and cinnamon and clove and all kinds of things that represent this time of year, this transition of time. And I found um, some information here. So you can also use skulls, skeletons, grave rubbings. If you live nearby a cemetery, you can do a, ce a cemetery visit as well, maybe before the dinner and leave something at the cemetery as an offering to help protect their spirit. You can have dried leaves and acorns, nuts and berries, dark bread, mulled cider and wine. And then you can gather every around, everyone around the table and you can say something like this. Tonight is the first of three nights on which we celebrate Samhain. It is the end of the harvest, the last days of summer, and the cold nights wait on the other side for us. The bounty of our labor, the abundance of the harvest, the success of the hunt all lies before us. We thank the earth for all it has given us this season, and yet we look forward to winter, a time of sacred darkness. So with that, you could say that if you want to, or you can come up with your own, and then you take a cup of cider or wine, and you can do something with that either. You can pass it around the table as each one talks about their ancestral line. But in a time of COVID, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to have everybody drinking from the cup of cider or wine. So another thing that you can do is you can take that cider or wine outside and go to the garden. And each person can take a little bit of liquid from the cup, sprinkle it onto the earth and saying something like, Summer is gone, winter is coming. We have planted and we have watched the garden grow. We have weeded and we have gathered the harvest. Now it's at its end. And with this, you can communicate with, have a moment of silence and communicate with um, remembering those that have passed on. And then during the dinner, as you're sitting down, this would, this is what I think is really very cool and meaningful. You can talk about them, talk about the ones you love that are still a part of your life and your memory. You can share stories about them. You can talk about what it is that you miss about them. You can talk about what if they were still here, what would they want to do? What would they say? You can ask them to be there with you. And whether you believe in a spirit form of them or not, those who believe in that may find that very comforting that you are inviting them to your dinner and maybe saying something almost directly to them. So you can hold a cup up, say cheers, have the dinner, enjoy that celebration. And another thing that you can do at the end of uh, the ancestor dinner is you can guide the spirits to the spirit world is another tradition that people do. You can place a white seven day candle. You see those long pillar candles in a long um, or tall jar. You can get one of those. You can 
put it on your porch. Maybe, I don't know about the window, just because that could be a fire hazard for curtains. But if you don't have any curtains around, maybe it's okay to put in the window. But you can put it on the porch, you can put it somewhere safe, maybe on a table by the front door. And these are the words that would go with that. Something like, oh, little flame that burns so bright, be a beacon on this night. Light the path for all the dead that they may see now what's ahead. And lead them to the summer land and shine until Pen takes her hand. And with your light, please bring them peace and they may rest with sleep with ease. That's a way you can close out the evening. Another thing that you can do is take a moment to celebrate life in contrast to death. Stop and introspect. Reflect on what has your life been over the past year? What are some things that you have accomplished? What are some challenges that you've overcome? What are some travels and adventures you've taken? What have you learned? And with that, what are you going to close out for you? What is something maybe you won't do again? Maybe it's something that you need closure on. What's going to close out and and have that transition to a new time of, of your life? A couple of other things you can do. You can have a bonfire and celebrate outdoors that way. This is also a time of divination invocations. Some people want to call upon the crone goddess and the horn god of nature to invite them to aid in the remembrance of the dead and help with connection and understanding of the cycle of life and death and rebirth. And you can ask these deities to comfort and support you. You can also have a community connections here. You can invite friends to have a potluck in your home. You can have them add their ideas around the celebration as well. And something that I glossed over before you close everything out, apples are something considered to be a connection with this whole tradition with Samhain. And if you gather everybody around, maybe start the meal with eating an apple after part of it's eaten, maybe you can do slices. The incantation for that would be, as we have eaten the fruit of life, so our ancestors live in our fruitful memories of them. So there are, are various things that you can say and do. These are just a couple of things that I've gathered to share with you today, but you can use various forms of candles, ways to have an altar. Some people do an ancestral tree. They have a small tree that they hang pictures of their ancestors off of. So that's another thing. And you can go as back far, far back as you want to. You can go to ancestor.com. You can get pictures of ancestors you've never met and include them as part of your line. And again, it's a really cool interesting way to celebrate, especially as you're getting into this path and it's something new to do and it's very meaningful. We, most of us have had somebody that we've lost and wish that we, they were still a part of our lives and having a way to really remember them again, not just one funeral, one and done, but every year we can be with them in a way that's 
celebratory and acceptable and you can have this altar table all year round if you want it maybe it's something you want to have every year at this Samhain ancestral dinner or maybe it's that ancestral table is something that you always have and remember them every day so with that I want to leave you with the reading for today I've pulled the nine of swords this card is not necessarily a happy card but it is an important one because it resembles symbolizes a high number of obsessing on something so talking about waking up in the middle of the night ruminating on a problem that you're having a challenging that you've encountered something that happened that you were, you weren't quite happy didn't go your way this is a time where that is still weighing on your mind it's something that you still want to try to have control over it's something that you really can't seem to get past or let go of so with this comes the guidance that maybe doing this on your own doesn't have to be the way to go doing this finding a way to let go of this may need the help of some divine guidance or for those of you who may not want to go the spiritual route this would be a good time to say hey you know what mental health is not something to be ashamed of I'm going to call a therapist and have someone objective to talk through this if you belong to a group of friends and you've connected with one in particular and you feel like one could be insightful and non-judgmental perhaps reach out to that friend and say hey I'm having this thing that's still weighing on my mind I'm still wanting to try to change the outcome I'm still wanting to go back to it I'm can't I can't come to grips with it I can't accept it I can't close it this is a good time to reach out to that friend or family member and talk through it maybe they have some ideas of ways that you can come to a place of acceptance and that's really what this is about is accepting what is there are things that happen and I don't know about you but I do tire of hearing the words meant to be when something happens we don't necessarily like to hear that in our moment of frustration or um, upset or depression over something that we really wanted to have go a different way meant to be doesn't make sense what makes sense is walking through why it's hard to let go why did you want that thing why did it upset you why did it have such an impact on you to cause a sleepless night that's something that would be your journal prompt writing down why if it's related to love maybe there was a painful loss um, and now you have sort of a deep sense of grief and isolation and you want that love and you want to keep trying for that love but that person is just if they're not they're just not there and so 
really at this time, acceptance is your only hope for relief. Finding a way to acceptance is a way to let go. And maybe your mind is not letting go, but once you say, I accept that this is the way that this is, then perhaps you can focus on something new. A lot of times, letting go of someone means focusing on someone new. It doesn't have to be a new love, but it can be focusing on giving to somebody. Maybe there's someone in your life that you just haven't paid much attention to they're there for you, but you've been out of sorts and away and distant because you've been preoccupied. Maybe cultivate that friendship that's just standing there waiting for you and give back to that person who's been giving to you. Think of ways that you can contribute to charities. That's a great distraction. What can you do to gather food or donations for a food bank or a church supper or and of course maybe if you're practicing witchcraft you don't want to go to a church but uh can you could you do something that helps other people and focusing your energy on that can help bring you to a place of distraction and acceptance with regards to money maybe there's been some poor financial planning that has happened it's giving you some stress maybe you're feeling guilty maybe you're feeling a bit fearful about what lies ahead. This is a good time to maybe talk to someone who's smart with money, maybe even a professional, maybe go to a financial consultant and talk about, Hey, what do I do about my taxes? I'm a little worried about I'm going to owe or, um, how can you manage multiple debts that you have and look at some solutions that maybe you haven't considered before. They might be good solutions now. With regards to career, if you're obsessing about a work project or a situation at work, think about work in the grand scheme of things. Work is a way to earn your living. It's your hunt. It's your gathering of food. It's it's your survival mechanism. Applying too much care to your work project might be having a backfiring effect on you. Maybe some people just want to get done and move on. And if you are really, really passionate to the point of where maybe it's affecting relationships or your stress with it, maybe take a lighter view of work. Say, you know what, at the, if a year from now, is this going to be this big of a deal? Is anybody even going to remember this? Can we just do this thing maybe in a shorter, more efficient way and just move on? And then it's not a big deal anymore. Your stress level comes down. If it's pressure that you're getting, maybe just find some shortcuts to get it done. But it doesn't have to be excellent. It doesn't have to be super high quality. Sometimes it just has to be done and carry on. So consider that with your career and your work. If this is calling to you in terms of a family situation, Uh, Maybe there's a physical situation happening where either physically or mentally with you or a family member, there may be some decline or an illness or a challenge. This is a good time to just rest. The body repairs itself during rest. So give in to the extra sleep. 
Call out on that day that you don't feel well. Don't push yourself. Same with your family member. Encourage them to rest. Maybe focus on getting them extra medicine, extra care, extra support. Help them through it. If you uh, have a, you know, if you are following this practice, perhaps you could do a healing spell on their behalf. So these are some things that are heavy on your mind. Maybe you're ruminating on, maybe keeping you up at night. Have maybe you're having a hard time eating keeping up with your hydration, keeping up with your self-care. You've got to find some solutions for these and some of the solutions may be not solutions. In other words, accept it, do the short way, close it out, get it, get it past you in, in whatever way that you feel would actually work. And if you have to do a spell to try to get closure, more than once. We talked about that in the last episode where actually in the first one, you're awake at night, still something on your mind. You can do something called a cord cutting spell. If you're trying to let go of something or someone, you could do a, um, a not, yeah, we talked about the cord cutting spell. You can, you can do some other things. There are lots of different spells for letting go for acceptance. You can even download spell apps on your phone, but if you find a spell that calls to you, you can actually do it multiple times. If you've done it already, maybe it's the third night after still on your mind, do it again. However many times you need to do that to help increase your closer closure of it. But getting to the why, drilling down to the why, will help you find a solution. All right, with that, I'm going to close out this episode. Thank you for spending all of this time with me. I have a feeling that my podcasts are going to be around 30 to 40 minutes long because there's so much information to cover, and I like sharing this with you, and I hope you like spending time with me. Thank you again. Have a wonderful, bright, beautiful day with moments of indulgence and with those moments of indulgence value you and your existence here and what you mean to all of us we love you and have a wonderful day full of blessings and love and i'm just going to go on and on and on because you are awesome so thank you for listening and we'll talk soon